I am Bruce Weinstein. And I'm Mark Scarborough. And this is Cooking with Bruce and Mark. And we've been away, haven't we? We were away. We came back. We went away again. Right. Well, the, the, the whole drama here is that we have a dog who's, um, he's not sick. He he's, had an injury. He had an injury. We've talked about this before on the podcast. And he's had surgery and we had complications. Let's just say complications from tendon surgery. But now we've got just a few weeks left of the recovery. He seems to be doing a whole lot better. Oh, and we seem to be getting some sleep. Yay. It's ridiculous. Um, I, I, I don't know. But um, this so has been crazy. And so now we're back. <laughs> and so, you know, a lot of people might not know this if you're listening, but Mark and I have a column on WeightWatchers.com. We are, in fact, the longest serving columnist on WeightWatchers.com. I can't even believe this. Uh, we started that column I don't know. Almost 14 years ago. 14 years ago? No. Okay. Like wow. That. That's unbelievable. I remember going to WeightWatchers.com when it met in an office building in New York City on an empty floor with wires <laughs> hanging out of the ceiling. Remember? And there were like eight desks yeah. on this big empty floor. And the column has changed over the years. Sometimes it's about food. Sometimes it's about recipes. Right now we're calling it Bruce and Mark on Food. We are. And we did last month's column on basic spring cleaning for your kitchen and i know that sounds a little boring yeah boring but it's not because boring. if you know not just your closet and your garage and your attic can benefit from spring cleaning if spring cleaning for your kitchen means that you sit in the middle of the floor and eat all the chocolate right well that's one way <laughs> to do your, it wait you sit in your underwear <laughs> in the middle of the floor and you eat all the chocolate out of the cabinets and see i clean them but what it means is you're actually your cooking is going to get better Oh, I know it sounds kind of crazy, but we have a whole bunch of tips and kitchen tune-ups and ways for you to get ready. And look, there are three top prescriptions that we have for the heart of your home. Here we go. So what's the first one, Mark? Um, it's edit your pantry and freezer. And I am, you know, um, I, we everybody, I have a rule for clothes. Maybe you do too, that if I haven't worn it in a year, uh, I throw it out. So how about this? If I haven't eaten it in a year, I throw it out. No, that's not really fair. But everything has an expiration date on it. Everything. Everything. Sugar, flour, spices. I don't think people know that about sugar and flour yeah. and those kind of things. I don't think a lot of people know that flour, flour can go rancid, but... It can. Now, there are canned products in your in your pantry that have expiration dates, and they're printed right on there. Right. The thing is, sugar doesn't come with an expiration date no. printed. Flour doesn't come with an expiration date printed. So you have to have a sense of when did you buy it, so you know how long it is, and you've got to use your nose. Smell things. If they're open packages, smell them. There's no mistaking a rancid smell, whether it's oil or flour or rice, those things can, they all have who, who fat in them. Who has sugar left over? I mean, well, isn't that dinner? Just like a bag of sugar and a <laughs> tablespoon in the TV? Oh, there you go. <laughs> Excellent. So it's it's time to go through and really clean out those shelves, find out what's sitting behind the 16 cans of tuna that were on sale two years ago. Ah, uh, that's really, I think that's important. And I think that you have to clean out the shelves. You have to... Listen, this sounds boring as all get out, but it, it will actually make things better in the end. I actually think a pantry full of 1,800 cans that you got at a big box store at Costco or BJ's, and they've been sitting there for three years, I actually find it kind of disheartening. I don't know about other people, but I find it disheartening because I just look at it all and think, when am I going to eat all this? And if you're not going to eat all of it, bring it to your local food pantry. They would be happy to take that extra case of canned beans or canned peas 
or canned pudding or whatever you bought that you're not going to eat before that expiration date hits. Right. And I think that the freezer is a really particular point that needs editing for a lot of people. And I don't think modern freezers, let's just say, modern freezers are for self-defrosting. And what that means is that the temperature fluctuates between just above freezing and wherever it is that you put your freezer down to. It kind of is made to cycle in and out. And that's all those little ice crystals, right? Yeah. Defrost off the side of your freezer and you don't have to do what my grandmother did, which was open it all up, put a bucket of hot water in there and chip it with an ice pick and (laughs) chip through the metal and all that all around it yeah get the freon in the kitchen Mm, yeah exactly no they do it for you and that's very convenient but it's very bad for food because it limits the amount of time that food will stay fresher because it's going up and down and up and down and up. you know this happens when you buy ice cream and if i know this is insane there's if there's any old ice cream in your freezer like who had as as my friend eric metzger says even bad ice cream is good ice cream So who has leftover ice cream in there? The same people who have leftover sugar in their pantry. Sure. Okay. Anyway, but if you do, you do know that if you leave ice cream in your freezer for a while, it develops all those ice crystals around the interior of the carton. Because it's been thawing and refreezing and thawing and refreezing. And the same thing will happen to the chicken, the roast beef, and all the other stuff you have in there. It doesn't thaw completely at all. No. But the edges of it start to soften and then refreeze and soften. So it reduces the time you can keep it in there. And I know a lot of people think, oh, I bought that steak two years ago. It's frozen. It's (gasps) still good. If you have a deep freeze that goes to 20 below and never comes above, yeah, that steak's still good. Right. If you've got a typical side-by-side or top-bottom self-defrosting freezer, you got that steak for maybe a year. And if it's pork chops or bacon or fattier meat, six months. Right. And we have a big chest freezer and it's not self-defrosting, nope. right? And so I actually find that Bruce sets that thing on like zero. Ten at, below. Oh, ten below. No wonder our electricity bills are what they are. <laughs> and... um I noticed that the food that comes out of there, the meat that comes out of there that sometimes has stayed six months is better than what's in the freezers upstairs because it doesn't cycle in and out in and the big chest. Yeah, freezer. when Mark is saying better, I think you're probably talking about texture. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. all texture. It's all about the texture. It's not soft. It's not gushy at the edges. Yeah. It's not that stuff that overly self-defrosting, <laughs> meated, freezery stuff gets. And very fatty foods that don't freeze as hard um, like bacon or sausages, and even if you keep, as I do, tub of lard in the freezer, well, sure. over time, that lard can even get rancid in the freezer. That's right. And you'll smell it. Again, there is no mistaking that that rotty, minerally, car oil Ew. smell of Ew. rancid food. Ew. Well, listen, so the whole point of this is take a couple hours and edit your pantry and your freezer and just kind of give it a good tune-up for what you need. And no, as we said, don't throw it out. See if you can give it away or Not the rancid stuff. Throw that out. Yeah, okay. (laughs) But better or better yet, consider... pantry cooking for the next five days and just getting rid of stuff. And okay, so what, you eat tuna fish with chocolate chips? I don't know. (laughs) Well, actually, I didn't mean together. I meant you have some tuna fish and then for some dessert, you have a handful of chocolate chips. That's what I meant. It's like making tuna (laughs) rugula. Mm. <laughs> I didn't mean tuna fish with chocolate chips, but so what you do this, you edit. There's a down, whole new meaning to a tuna melt. And shut up. And and <laughs> I think that it's less disheartening. I do. I think that you know you walk into that 
pantry or you open that cabinet and there's 40 boxes of cereal, each a third eaten. (laughs) It's just kind of disheartening. It it just feels like, oh, God, what did I do? How much did I buy? What is all this stuff? Who will eat it? Solve those problems. So pretend that it's Passover and you're cleaning out all the chametz from your house. Wow, that works in about four geographic regions in the United (laughs) States. But go ahead. Go ahead with it. you You will have... Better food. You'll feel like cooking. You won't get disgusted every time you open the pantry door. Okay. The next thing you need to think about doing is you have to do a checkup on your equipment. Well, yes, that's right. And equipment is also a funky thing. And let me just start with my favorite thing that you should consider in your spring kitchen cleanup. And that is cracked wooden utensils if you've got cracked wooden utensils splitting wooden spoons that kind of stuff that's really not only difficult sometimes to work with and it more easily scratches surfaces it also you can get food clogged up in those cracks oh how unsavory and it can also be unsanitary. So really, honestly, consider for the you know a couple bucks. It's yeah. not much. Those are not expensive you, items. You can find nice wooden spoons, spatulas, those kind of things. And um, consider tuning up your spoons. And in that same drawer or canister where you're storing those wooden spoons, take a look at your rubber and nylon spatulas and those spoonulas. You know, you stick... What are spoonulas? Well, you know, those kind of thing you get down into a jar or the blender. It's got a scooped spatula. And, sure. you know, every time I go into the food processor with one or I go into the bottom of the blender, they get nicked, they get torn, they get chipped, and then you end up eating bits of those, and that's not very tasty. And no. Again, they become unsanitary. They're not expensive. I find that about every two years, I need to replace those as well as my wooden And spoons. I also, I just would encourage you, if you have fancy copper cookware that is lined most likely it's lined copper cookware unless you've got sugar making copper where it's unlined but for most foods you need to have lined copper cookware i would just check my lining it's it's a good time to just look at it see if we've got a a roaster upstairs that desperately needs retinning and uh it's not actually safe to cook on them when they're no and when mark says look at it what you're looking to see is the copper coming through right when you're in looking inside does all you see is silver or black because sometimes that that lining gets a little discolored that's right. fine or you actually seeing copper come through right if you're seeing copper come through go online google copper retinning there's people that do it all over the country you can mail them your pieces it's kind of a famous guy in rhode island yep. that everybody uses that professionals use but you can find people all over who yep. do this and you can figure out how to get that stuff back you don't have to listen you can take the lemon and the salt and you can rub the copper back up to beautiful finish but it's better to Pay attention to the tenning rather than right. the dusty-looking copper on the outside. Now, unfortunately, the one kind of cookware you can't repair if the lining inside is not doing well is nonstick. Well, yeah, that's nonstick. Thing. You know, especially those really Teflon-y nonsticks, maybe all those PFOAs and all that. Right, that stuff's carcinogenic. It is once scratched. And so, if you scratch, if your nonstick pans are all scratched, and you can actually see the metal through that even if you just see a scratch it's time to chuck them that's right and part of the reason i don't like to buy expensive nonstick is because even expensive nonstick this will happen to and i love nonstick for certain things i like them for eggs um but i buy inexpensive stuff and then i just replace it as often as necessary we have super seasoned cast iron pans and i make eggs in those and those work 
better than any non-stick pan there but they're super seasoned at and this you point. need to also still use a lot of fat which is nice you do you have to and let's just also say while we're talking about our appliances and retooling and rechecking them that blades go dull and, <laughs> Not uh, just on your knives. And everybody knows about, well, like a lot of people know about the food processor recall that was such a hassle right at Christmas this last year, which all those blades could come apart and people reordered them and they didn't Poke come for like six and, yeah. months or something. Anyway, everybody knows that it uh, supposedly, you know, ruined people's Christmas baking. Okay. I'm speaking of those blades, but I'm also just speaking of the blades at the bottom of a blender. If the blender canister has a removable bottom, chances are, if you've had it for a few years, and if you've been making a lot of tiki drinks, <laughs> or grinding up a lot of ice, or nuts, yep. or muesli, or whatever you're grinding up in there, chances are those blades have gone dull. And almost every blender can have its blade replaced. Yep. So check online your manufacturer, download the handbook, and you'll see whether or not you can get a replacement blade. Call the 800 number on the bottom of the screen. Ask them. They'll tell you how to get one. Excellent. And besides, you make a new friend on the phone. Oh, excellent. (laughs) Sure, with Tamir in India. Okay, go ahead. And what else? What's our third tip? The third tip is calibrate your oven. Okay, why? Because just because you set the oven on 350 degrees doesn't mean the oven is going to 350 degrees. That's right. Chances are if it's a brand new oven, it will. But if you've had it for a few years, it may not. And very, very current digital ovens do not need the calibration that older ovens need. Digital ovens are largely set. They are, and they tend not to lose their their calibration. In fact, we have a digital oven, and we've had it 10 years, and I just did this tune-up, and I went out, and this is what I think you all should do. Buy an oven thermometer. Notice that I've got him saying (laughs) y'all. Go ahead. That just sits on the shelf. And you turn the oven on, say, to 350 and wait 40 minutes and then look in the oven and see what that thermometer in the oven says. Well, bake some cookies for God's okay. sake. Okay. Well, I was shocked. Ours actually said 350. So That's right. So it's dead on. Now, what do you do if it's not? Let's say you set your oven to 350 and that oven thermometer inside said you're only a three and a quarter. You, you have two choices. You do. You have two choices. What are they? The choices are either to call the repairman out. Sure. And now you got to get the repairman out and he can recalibrate your oven. Again, if you have an older oven, this is generally a problem. And in fact, a lot of older ovens just like pianos they go out of tune and they actually need tune-ups uh they need to be fixed so check this out and call the repairman out but you know that's going to be your i don't know where it depends on where you live uh, it could be anywhere from 100 bucks to 600 bucks right. depending I mean, on your oven we live in rural new england so it'll probably be like a dollar fifty <laughs> to fix it okay we just had the refrigerator <laughs> fixed it wasn't a dollar fifty no i know but repairs are really cheaper in in rural america where we live but than in urban areas but nonetheless it'll cost you a little money the other thing you do is just always always uh futz with your recipe yeah con yeah you can compensate for an oven that's off so let's say you set your oven to 350 but your oven thermometer says it only goes to 325 so now turn your oven up to 375 and see where it goes so just keep checking you have to figure out where do you have to set your oven on the numbers up front to get the right temperature inside. And with an oven thermometer, you'll know what that is. And let's just say often with older ovens, if you set it for 350 and it registers, let's say 325, which it's not gonna be that accurate, you know, it's not gonna be a perfect 25 degrees. But let's say that that happened. The chances are what's really happening is the differential between the the degrees is actually geometric and not arithmetic. Right, so you're not gonna go up 25, you may have to go up 10 or 15 or even 50. When you you get higher, 
higher up, chances are the difference between what it, you think it is, like if you get up to 450, what you think it is and what it actually is, is greater than 25 yeah. degrees. So play with it. You know, then turn your oven up a bit, see where it goes on the thermometer, and then you'll know the difference. So you may know, keep a little chart, and you know that your oven has to be set at four and a quarter to get 350, or your oven has to be set at 275 to get 300. And if your oven is like that and it's not working right and you want to play this game rather than the repair game, you have to check it every few months because that miscalibration may change. Just hang the thermometer inside. I know, but you have to off. remember to look at it and, well, you do. and register what it is. That's right. But yeah. many, many, many an old lady looks at that thermometer hanging off the rack. You That's ain't going to trust your oven. and <laughs> You're not going to ruin that recipe. That's right. So, yeah. so just, you know, do the thermometer thing. Okay, so that's it. That's our three tips. Those are our three tips, which will help you feel better about the kitchen. Oh. Help you feel... Feel better <laughs> about my kitchen. Sure, I love well, it. I feel better about my closet after I've cleaned it out. So yeah. I will feel better about my pantry, my freezer. I'll enjoy cooking more. I won't eat rancid food. Oh. And I know that everything I make is going to be cooked at the right temperature. For more cooking tips, hints, recipes, and just to hear us go on about food, listen in to Cooking with Bruce and Mark every Friday. And if you want to catch it and make sure you catch it all the time, subscribe to the podcast and, uh, you know, tell everyone you know. You know, all that kind of good stuff. And um, any questions, drop us a line. Check us out, bruceandmark.com. Drop us a comment, a question. We answer back in, well, flash time. So check out bruceandmark.com every week. <laughs>